Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. I read a scripture and I put scripture up on Facebook today and I read it and I was thinking about how it applied to other people and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you know, this applies to you. This message today isn't about anyone else in the world. This message is to you. Okay? All right. So, um, which days are the strongest? Saturday and Sunday. You know why? Because the rest are weekdays. <laughs> hey, have you guys heard about the, the new corduroy pillows? They're making headlines everywhere. <laughs> You know how you start? No, forget it, forget it. All right, I got other jokes. I'll leave them alone. All right. Uh, do you ever feel insignificant? Anybody in the room ever feel like you're one of, what, seven and a half, eight billion people in the world, and you're just an insignificant you, and what you do in your life really doesn't matter that much. Nobody really cares. We live, then we die, and nobody cares. You know, 20 years from now, your life just won't even matter. Does anybody ever feel that way or think those thoughts other than me? Am I the only one? Anybody else wave at me if you ever feel insignificant? Like your vote doesn't matter, you know, your voice doesn't matter, all that kind of stuff. Well, I want to talk to you today about how you can live a significant life and how you can matter. I want to talk to you about your significance. Um, uh, not long ago, there was a flood over in Elyria. There were like six inches of rain fell in about 15 minutes, and there was a flood. And I heard from people in our church, their basements flooded. Anybody? Anybody in the, yeah, there was a couple in this space experienced the flood. Well, that flood wasn't made up of a raindrop, but it was made up by a lot of raindrops working together to create a flood. And if you were to take raindrops out of that, the flood wouldn't happen because a flood is made up of, y'all ready for this? individual drops of water. Any movement is made up of individuals that work together at the right time and place to make things happen. A flood is just individual drops of water in the same time space doing something together. And I want you to know that you are significant on this earth and your significance may not come through your individuality, but your willingness to join with others that are flowing the same way as you, because I believe together we can create a flood that can change the world. That being said, would you stand your feet in honor of God's word? We're going to be in Genesis chapter 11 for a bit, and then I'm going to talk about what all this means. So Genesis chapter 11 verse 6 says this, the Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this. Can y'all read this next part with me? Can y'all actually read it? Y'all ready? All right. Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. So I'm going to read this again. Y'all ready? The Lord said, if as one people, many, many peoples, but one people, so there was unity, speaking the same language, so there was purpose and community, right? Y'all getting this? They were around the same purpose. So unity of people, unity of purpose, and speaking the same language. So they had the same goals. And they had begun to do this. Then y'all read it with me, all right? Then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. And what I want to talk to you today is how we can live 
the impossible life, how we can do the impossible. So, Father, I pray that today you would speak in this space, that you would speak, we would listen, we would hear, and I pray that your message would be spoken to every person in this room, that they are significant and they have a part to play in making a change in culture in this world. They are an important part, and let them be willing to be one people and speak the same language we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Now, wait before you're seated. Now, first service did really bad at this, so I had to stop them and make them do it again. So, th you've got to do this, all right? So, I want you to turn, and I want you to greet somebody and smile at them and say something to them. And take 30 seconds and actually interact with somebody right now. Come on, go, 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 do it, do it. If you're online, here's your interaction. I'm glad to see you. All right, all right, you can be seated now. I wanted to give you those couple of seconds for a reason. The reason I gave you those couple of seconds is because I looked around the room and I didn't see anybody that was left out. If you're left out, all you have to do is wave your hand, I'll stand everybody up, we'll do it all over again. Because here's the deal. I want you to know that every single person in this room is significant. You are loved. You got a smile from somebody today. You are important. You have a purpose. You have a reason. So, this story that I want us to talk about is the story of Babel. Now, when I was a kid, I had one of those Bible story picture books. Anybody have one of those when you were a kid? And the Bible story picture book had this big tower built up to heaven. And I saw that story and I read them. You know, my mom and dad would read it to me. And then later I'd read it myself. And I read this story and I think to myself, how stupid were they to build a tower to think they could get all the way up to heaven? Don't they know how high it is up there? And then I realized something as I began to grow older and specifically preparing this message, I realized that my childhood understanding of this story is actually wrong because that's not what they were trying to do. They weren't trying to get so high off the earth that they could control heaven. We'll come back to that. Now, for those of you that don't know why all the names are in the Bible, there are reasons. The names are in the Bible and the names are there for purpose. And I'm going to show you one of those statements to help you understand because the Tower of Babel cannot be understood without backing up to chapter 10. Let's read chapter 10 verse 8. Now Cush was the father of Nimrod who became a mighty warrior on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. That's why it said, like Nimrod, like Nimrod, how, anybody name your kid Nimrod? <laughs> anyway, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The first centers of his kingdom were what? So what are we going to be talking about in chapter 11? Chapter 11 is an expansion of this one verse, and, and it's actually setting a theme for the entire Bible here in chapter 10. It's making a theme about what Babylon is to be. You know, Babylon is never spoken of positively in the entire Bible. Babylon is always a place, all the way from here, all the way through the prophets, all the way through the New Testament, all the way to Revelation. Babylon is always a place of idolatry, whoredom, and destruction. It is a place that never gets it right, that always destroys, always hurts, and always leads people astray. Are you all following this? So Nimrod, what did he do? 
The first of the centers of his kingdom were Babylon, Uruk, Akkad, Kalna, in where were that? In Shinar. That's where this happens is in Shinar. So now let's go to chapter 11, verse 2. Oh, one thing I need to tell you about Nimrod. I was reading a, a couple of commentaries, and one of the commentaries said that many of the uh, scholars that study this believe that Nimrod became the chief deity of Babylon and was the chief false god called Marduk. And I don't know how they changed the name, but that's why scholars do their job. But anyway, all that to say that this story about Nimrod being a hunter and establishing Babylon now is expanded in chapter 11. And here's the story. As the people moved eastward, they found a plain in, where did they find a plain? Shinar. Didn't we just see that? So that's Marduk, or Nimrod, established this place in, Shim, in Shinar. So we're talking about the same place. Uh, and they settled there. What did they do there? They did what? Settled. settled. We'll come back to that because that's important to understand. Now, um, they said to each other, come let us. I don't like the contraction there, let's. Let's say, come let us. Come let us. The reason is you're going to see this three times in the story because there's a repetition in the story. And those, those words right there are introduction of a new theme every time it's said. Come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. So what they weren't doing is they weren't using stones anymore. If you've ever built with stones, you've got to stack them just right, and it takes a lot of time. But bricks, what do you do? You create an even, monolithic approach. You know, it's the single stone, and it's all dependable in size. So what they wanted to do is, and, and you can build fast if you've got things that are dependable. So they were making bricks and baked them thoroughly, and then... Um, they used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. And they said, now notice this phrase again, come let us build ourselves a city. So they were going to change how they did things and they were going to change what they did with it. Come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name. So that we may, do y'all see that? Yep. We may make a name for ourselves and otherwise we will be what? Come on, scattered. scattered. All right, so you see, I'm showing you what I'm showing you is what I'm going to show you from the text. Is they wanted to make a name for themselves and they didn't want to be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. And the Lord said, and here's our verse we read today, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will be impossible for them. And then notice this next phrase. Notice the next phrase. Next verse, please. The next phrase says, come let us. Now, this is a, a foreshadowing of the Trinity that will happen in the New Testament, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. It's foreshadowed in the Old Testament. And he says, come let us. The, remember, the people were saying, come let us, come let us. We're going to rebel against God. But God says, oh, come let us. <laughs> God says, come let us. Go down. I like that. Go down. We got to go way down to get to them. Their tower that goes all the way to the heavens. We got to go way down. Let's go down and confuse their language. Now remember, they were one people with one language and nothing was impossible because they were working together. So God, what did he do? He divided them by their language. Confused their language so they cannot understand each other. So the Lord did what? They didn't want to be scattered, but he did it. Oh, wow. He scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city. That's why it's called Babel. Because the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there, God scattered them over the whole earth. Now, the whole point of this story 
is to show how the people of Babel were rebelling against God and God's plan for their life. That's what they were doing here because they did three things. Their goals, listen to their goals. Their goals are number one, we're going to disobey God's command. God's command, if you go back to Genesis 9, 1, you go to Genesis, I think it's 1, 28, go subdue. Go take control. Go, go cover the earth, subdue it, take care of it. Isn't that what God told both Adam and Noah? Go out, take control of it. And what did they say? We don't want to do what God says. We don't want to go out. We want to get comfortable. We want to be comfortable right here, and we want to control our own destiny. We want our lives to be comfortable and easy. By the way, this is a message of warning to the American church, because what I hear out of the American church is a desire to be comfortable. And God has not called you to comfort, and if you think God called you to be comfortable, you do not understand the call to take up your cross and die. You're not called to be comfortable. And comfort, your comfort will get in the way of you being everything God made you to be. Because <laughs> comfortable people are lazy people or dead people. So they wanted to get comfortable and they wanted to disobey God's command to go do something. Instead, they wanted to sit down and defy God's purposes. So they disobeyed God's command. Second thing they did is they desired to make a name. Did you all see that in the passage? They wanted to make a name for themselves. Hmm. Do you know God is the namer? Remember when he made Adam, what did he name him? Adam, right? That's how, that's how he got his name. Adam is his name. And by the way, when, when God had this guy named Abram, and he wanted a mighty father, and he wanted to make him father of many nations, he, he renamed him. He named him Abraham. Do y'all remember that? And you remember that guy, Jacob, the deceiver, the one who grasped the heel, the one who will pull you down from behind? No, 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 you're not that anymore. You are Israel, the one who struggles with God and overcomes. There is God renamed people, and the reason he gave them a name is to fulfill their destiny rather than the destiny they thought they were going to have. And you get to Revelation, you get to Revelation, every person's going to be given a white stone with a name on it, known between you and God, and that's like his pet name for you. God's got a pet name for you. He's been calling you, and that is your destiny, not your names that you call yourself when you look in the mirror. Now, I got pet names. I, my wife's pet name is Sugar Booger. <laughs> you know why I call her Sugar Booger, right? Because she's the sweetest thing I ever picked. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Yeah, my life's all messed up. I messed up in the head. That's all right. But you know, you know what we did when we were naming our kids? We chose their names. Uh, we chose their names intentionally. My daughters, uh, th- they're going to grow up, get married. They're going to take another man's name probably one day. We wanted them to remain attached to us because uh, we're the crows. Dang it, and you represent me wherever you go. Come on, we are, we're a family. And you can go wherever in this world and do whatever you do, but you're still my kid, and I still love you, right? Yeah? yeah? So they share the middle name with their mother. All of my daughters all get the same middle name. And if, God forbid, we were to have another one, they'd get the, no, <laughs> we'd get the middle name. And, and my daughter's got that because they're mine. And I wanted something to attach them to us. And are y'all following me here? I named them intentionally. Now, my son, my son has my middle name as well because uh, my middle name, 
well, his middle name is my middle name, is my dad's middle name, is my grandpa's middle name, is my great-grandpa's name, is my great-great-grandpa's middle name, is my great-great-grandpa, great-great-great-grandpa's name. Are you all following this? Yep. So we gave him the name to attach him not just to today, but to a generation of men who've been faithful yes. to their spouses and their country yes. and their God. Come on, there's an attachment and a name. Are y'all following me here? God has a name for you. And that name for you is your real identity. But what the culture wants to do is, it, especially now, come on, I'm hearing this in schools, kids running in, changing their name. And what they're saying is, I reject the identity I've been given so I can get a new identity. And I just want to say to you right now that God has given you a name, and that name is your identity. He has called you. The Bible says he has called you by name. Yes. You have an identity with him that is not rooted in your experience on this earth, but is rooted in your father's love for you. And you have an identity. And what they wanted to do was throw off their identity in God and develop their own identity. And God didn't like that. Thirdly of all, they wanted to create a new religion. Their tower was to build them up to the heavens. This is not a physical statement they were trying to build a tower that was so awesome. What it is, is I, I found this out during my reading. This is a, probably, they were building a tower for worship, and at the top of the tower, they were putting the zodiac symbols. Yes. Yes. Now, can I talk to you for a second? If you're one of those people that you check your zodiac, or you think even about what your sign is, or you go to tarot card readers or whatever that stuff is, I just want you to know. I, w I want you to know something. First of all, you're stupid. <laughs> and if that's offensive to you, I want you to be offended. I want you to be offended enough that you actually try to defend being stupid to me. No, no, no I'm, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be mean here. I'm trying to be offensive. It's two different things. Two different things. I'm not trying to be mean to you. I don't want to be mean to you. But I want to offend you in your sensibilities enough that you'll actually think. Why would you look to the heavens for your advice when you can talk to the maker of the heavens? Why would you spend your time seeking superstition when you can have the powerful God who speaks life? Why would you do that? Why would you put your trust in the readings? When I was a kid, I did this. I actually read the, the, the Zodiac readings. I would actually read them. But I wouldn't read mine. I still am not sure what mine is. I would read all of them. And you know what? All 12 of them, I think there was, all of them fit every person that ever walked on the face of the earth every day of their life. Do you, all, do you know what tarot card readers and psychics do? They read the things you're giving them, and because you go there with your faith that they're going to give you something, they read what you're saying. If you ever watch it happen, they're actually regurgitating back to you the clues you're giving them, and all they're doing is they're tricking you into believing that you're hearing something from a power out there when what you're actually doing is being tricked by the devil to believe your own lies to yourself. You don't believe me? Just 
investigate. But listen, when God speaks, when God speaks, there's life, there's power, and there's one other thing. You won't get it out of that, that Zodiac stuff. There's freedom. Yes. Yes. There's freedom. Did you hear me? There's freedom. Some guy stood right here today, and I said, what would God speak to you if he were to speak to you? He gave his heart to Christ in the first service, and he was talking to me, and he told me two things God would speak to him. And I said, wow, it's amazing to me. When you started talking about what God said to you, it was freeing. And then you started adding all your stupid stuff to it. When I asked you what God was saying, you were very clear. It was freedom. It was life. Then you started adding your junk to it. Listen to me. God's word gives life. God is freedom for you. I'm going to quote scriptures. It is for freedom Christ set you free. So if you're living any other life than a free life, you're not living the life God has for you. You're entering into this new religion where even your Christianity is something to bind you up. And that's not what God has for you. Could we get rid of our false religions? Could you? Come on, the church in Ephesus, they burned all of their magic scrolls, and it was, uh, it was the equivalent of like $400,000 of the garbage they burned. And if we could get all of the dream catchers and all of the, 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 anyway, don't get me started. If we could get all that out of the church, and you might be able to listen to God a little bit more, could we just devote ourselves again to be pure to God, not have these new religions and mix your religion with the religions of this world, but be devoted to Jesus and Jesus alone? All right. Notice that their awesome building. I read this. I read this in one of my commentaries. I thought this was so good. So pay attention. All right. You ready? There it stood, lofty in its unequaled grandeur. But when God wants to look at it, he comes down. He has to stoop down to see this puny extravagance. I just love that line. Oh, my goodness, time, where do you go? All right, so now what I wanted you to see, this is the whole purpose of the message today, is um, I want you to see that Babel is a rejection of God's will and purposes. But the church is a reversal of the curse of Babylon. The church is literally, we're going to show you, I'm going to show you, we're going to walk step by step, and I'm going to show you how the church reverses every bad thing they did and reverses every curse. So this church of Jesus Christ we're a part, those who believe in Jesus, we, we, do, we do five things. Number one, we submit to God's will and commands. We submit to God's will and commands. We submit. We are not out to say, God, you told us to do something. We're going to do the opposite. We want to say, Jesus is Lord. Romans 10, 9, this is how you get into this church. It says, if you declare with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. Come on, we all say this together. If you confess with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord. So what's, Jesus is the boss of you now. The only way you get into this church is you have to first confess that you will submit to the commands and the authority of Jesus, regardless of what you think or regardless of the culture. Are y'all following me here? All right, I'm being very clear with you. Jesus is Lord. Uh, And that if you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. That's how you get saved. So the second thing we do is we want to make the name of Jesus great. We're not out to build a name for ourselves. So the church is actually a reversal of, of taking a name for ourselves and going back and submitting to the name and the authority of Jesus. 
That's when we align ourselves and our identities with him. That's when we submit to the name of Jesus. Uh, Philippians chapter 2, it's not on the screen, but Philippians chapter 2 says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. It is confession of the lordship of Jesus. We are here to make his name great. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 10 says to bring unity to all things on heaven and on earth. So to bring it back into unity under the name of Jesus Christ. All right, third thing we do is we make obedience. We're obedient to taking God's power to all the earth. Remember, they wanted to settle in the plain so they would not be what? Scattered. They did not want to be what? Scattered. scattered. They did not want to be scattered. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the earth. So what's the church called to do? To go back to subdue the earth again. The curse, what they wanted to get away from, the church now lives out. And by the way, do you know how you can, I know some of you are never going to pick up and go to, I don't know, Muslim concealed country where you got to, ladies have to wear their burqas with only that much of their face shown. And if you tell them you're a Christian, you're in danger of being killed. But you know, we have missionaries that are there. And the Bible says that when you pray for that missionary, you are joining them. You literally spiritually are joining them in their struggle. And and we got we got some I can give you their names. I can't do it now because their life might be at risk if I said their name on the internet. Are y'all following me? But I can give you a list of names. We can give you a missionary list and you can pray for them because you can fulfill to the ends of the earth, even right here. And and notice this, there's a restoration of a common tongue. There's a restoration of a common tongue. What happened at Babel? Their tongues, their language was confused. The next, can you give me the next slide, Carl? Their, their, um, Their tongues were confused and they spoke different words. But here, what does Jesus do on the day of Pentecost? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So they were taken from earthly tongues to united heavenly tongue. It's a reversal. They're now speaking in languages of the Spirit. It, that's one Spirit. That's my Spirit to God's Spirit, God's Spirit to... Come on, we've been talking about this for weeks. And, and that's our Spirit being reunited with God. So we're unified in our languages even though we speak different native tongues. And then last of all, nothing is impossible for the church that operates in unity. Nothing is impossible. So John chapter 17, Jesus prayed for the church to be in perfect unity. Listen, we don't have to be in unity with all of our beliefs and doctrines. The church, the big C church, you know, the big C church, they can disagree about, you know, modes of baptism or types of communion or stuff like that. But as long as we confess Jesus as Lord, we're in unity with them. Because they're my brothers, they're my sisters, and we're working for the same goal. Don't worry about denominations because cliques are a good thing. We're going to find out next week. Exclusive cliques are not good. But cliques are a good thing because it gives you people to know and to work with. Right? So it's not a bad deal. We'll find out next week. But nothing is impossible when we work together in unity. And the purpose of the church is to bring us to unity. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11. Christ himself gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service. What, what did he do? Equip them for works of service. Not so they can come to a, come to a service. 
so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. And how do you become mature? Attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. How do you do that? As each part, the next verse says, as each part does its work. You know, you're a part of the body of Christ. Some of you might be a pinky. And you think, I'm not very important. But have you ever had a hangnail on your pinky that is like bleeding and throbbing and you wake up in the middle of the night and your whole body can't sleep because you got a hangnail on your pinky? Your pinky is important. For there to be unity in this body of Christ, we have to be united under our head. And every person's important. So today, what I want to share, and this is what I'm doing next week, so you guys will have to hang on till next week to get the rest of it. I'm going to do number one today. I'm going to take the extra time, whether you like it or not, locking the doors right now. <laughs> All right? So let me give you our vision statement. This is our reversal. I can't, con I can't give life and direction to all the church, the big C church. I can give direction to this little C church. This is why we exist right here. Our, our mission statement is this. Harvest Ridge Church exists to present the life-changing power of not God because everybody's got their view of God. We want Jesus Christ. We, we want to make sure everybody knows we're talking about Jesus. This is why we exist, to present the life-changing power of Jesus to current and coming generations. Now, we have four core values by which we accomplish this. I'm going to give you the first one today in about four minutes. Y'all ready? And then next week, we're going to talk about the other three. So, our first core value that accomplishes this goal is we want every person to connect. Now, Connect means we're providing opportunities to establish a connection with God through salvation, baptism, and a life filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's see if I can put it this way. A while ago when I had you, when I had you talk to somebody, you actually embraced them with the communication. You acknowledged them as a human being. You acknowledged them as a person, right? Yes. And they acknowledged you. Yes. What we want for you at Harvest Ridge is for you and every person that brushes against this church to have an opportunity to connect with God that way. I want you, I want you to encounter God so powerfully that you know he's real, you know he's alive, and you know he cares for you, and you know he's communicating with you. Are you following me? Why do we do Harvest Palooza? Because there are people that will never come to church and we want to go to them to give them an opportunity to know that there's a God that loves them. Why do we give to missions? Because there are people around the world who have never heard the name of Jesus and we want an opportunity for them to know that Jesus loves them and to connect with him. So the other day I went to a convenience store. I'm not going to name it. Come on, y'all ever been to one? I walk through. I'm at the convenience store. And uh, I look up and see the worker. Hi. Hi. Come on, do you, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. They're getting paid to do a job, and you know what they're doing? Standing there on their phone. Work ethic. Anyway, different, different story, but I'm making a point here. In that moment, how 
Do you think it's the owner's fault? Maybe the owner needs to train a little better. But it's not the owner that does it. Who is it? It's that worker that doesn't care enough to do their job the right way. Come on, have you ever been to a fast food restaurant and you walk in, you're standing there, and they're like running around doing whatever it is they're doing, and you stand there for four and a half minutes waiting for somebody to come take your order? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yes. The post-COVID world, this is where we are. You know what I cannot stand in a church? I cannot stand in a church that people walk through the door and we're acting like the people at the convenience store. I'll talk to my friends, but I'm not even going to notice you. How dare we do that? If you want people to connect with God, the first thing you do to connect with God is you act like you actually care. Not, not, not that other person that's outgoing and has a big personality. You, you, if you want people to really connect with God, the first thing you have to do is let them connect with you. The cross is both vertical and horizontal. If you take the horizontal out of it, there is no cross. Jesus did not die just so we could get right with God, but so we could get right with one another. And how do we start this? We start this by actually noticing people. (laughs) That's why at Harvest Palooza, you know what you can do at Harvest Palooza? How about this? Watch this. See that smile. All the power of heaven. When God wants to reveal everything he is to you, what does it say? Bless us, oh God, and let your face smile at us. The church is viewed as grumpy because we only want to talk to our two people before we get in the car to beat them to whatever restaurant. Stop it. Take an extra three minutes and notice somebody. If you want people to connect with God, let them connect with you because last I heard, you are the body of Christ. And if you are the body of Christ, you are his hands, you are his feet. And whenever you show love to anyone, they don't deserve your love. They're not good enough for your love. They don't even vote right. I don't give a rat's behind. Love them anyway. All right, sorry. That was a Kevin Crow minute. (laughs) But if we're going to be unified together to change the world, we have to be unified around the right thing. And the right thing is, listen, slow down. Get off your stinking phone. You really, really are not so important that you have to check it every two minutes. Seriously. The world can live without your Insta page for a moment. Would you actually interact with the people in front of your face? Because connection with God, I want, I want you to know God. The God I met that changed my life, that set me on fire, that changed me from the core of who I am. I want you to meet him. Forget the religious Jesus. Forget all that superstition and garbage. I want you to meet Jesus alive, resurrected from the dead, I want you to have that and I want you to connect with God and I'll do anything short of sin to get there. And that's who we need to be. And if you got any other view of that, either you need to change or find another church. I don't say that very often. But change. The water's really good when you step into love rather than judgment. And we'll judge sin. We, we'll discipline. We, <laughs> those of you that know we discipline, we discipline. But we don't discipline out of hate. We discipline because we love you and care for you. All right. I got no time. Can I, all right. I'm going to share the scripture, though, okay? The scripture behind this connect. 
Just take me a second. Paul went to this place called Athens. And he showed up at Athens, and when he got there, he noticed that the, the city was full of idols, and he noticed that these people were worshiping all kinds of things. So he started telling them about Jesus. And some people said, hey, this is really cool. Would you talk to us about it? So Paul, in Acts chapter 17, he's in Athens. And I've been to Athens, and it's a beautiful, beautiful town and all this. And they had the Areopagus there, which was all the smart people and philosophers. So what they did is they said, hey, Paul, would you come talk to all of us philosophers? So Paul goes to the Areopagus, and he preached preaches the most beautiful, masterful sermon you will read in the scriptures. He starts with, oh, I was walking around your town, and I noticed that you worship many gods. Well, there was even one made to the unknown God. There was an altar to the unknown God. Well, I tell you what, since you're worshiping the unknown God, can I talk to you about him? He already slipped through the back door and was sitting at their kitchen table, and they didn't even know it. And he says, hey, can we talk about the unknown God? Now, this unknown God is not like all the other gods. He's the God that made the heavens and the earth and everything in them. And he gives life to everybody. And he controls all these other things that you're all worried about. And now, this God, this God, he's proven it. He, let me see. In, in him we live and move and have our being. He was quoting Snoop Dogg. <laughs> well, their version of Snoop Dogg. You don't know it, but he quoted like a poet, and he quoted one of their musicians, and he's quoting, you know, all these people. And, and as he's qu quoting them, they're like, yeah, yeah. And then finally, some of them said, well, yeah, you, you talk really good, man. Maybe we'll invite you back next week to talk to us again, dude. <laughs> and, and this is what happened when Paul left Athens. Paul traveled all around the Mediterranean basin. He spent time in towns. There's only one town he ever spent time in where he did not leave a church, and that was Athens. It said only a few became followers of Paul. Only a few. He didn't leave a church. He was a failure. That's chapter 17. Chapter 18 starts with him going right down the road 60 miles to a town in Corinth. And when he arrived to Corinth, this was just as wicked of a town, just as messed up a town. But Paul had changed his approach. He was no longer trying to outreason them. Now he said, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, I did not come, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, with superior wisdom or eloquence as I proclaimed the message of Christ to you. He said, for I resolved to know nothing while I was among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified so that your faith might not rest, notice this, on man's wisdom, but upon the power of God. Yes. With a demonstration of the Spirit's power, your faith might not rest on man's wisdom, but on the power of God. Y'all follow me? Yes. What did he say? He said, I did it in man's wisdom and I failed, but what I really wanted them to have was an encounter with the resurrected Jesus. I wanted them to meet the power of God. So when we say connect, what I want, what I want for you more than anything else in this world is I want this for you. I want it for your kids. I want it for your neighbors. I want you to meet and encounter God. I want you to meet the resurrected Jesus. I want you to let him into your heart and your life and let him wash you and surge through your being and give you hope and a future. I want that. I want that with all that's within me. And that's why this body exists. Everything we do, from services on Sunday to games we're playing with the kids with water to Harvest Palooza, everything is to give you that opportunity to experience God. And you 
are the ones that make that happen. Because I've been trying to talk to my next door neighbor, or the guy across the street from me, I've been trying to talk to him for like 10 years now. He will not even talk to me. He knows I'm a pastor. He will not even talk to me because I'm a pastor. But you know what? Some of you might work with him, and he would listen to you as you present the good news of Jesus to him. You, you are more powerful than I am to him because he won't listen to me. You are a part of the flood. You are a part of the answer when you step in to experience God and you share that with other people. Am I making myself clear here? That's what we want. That's why this church exists. This church does not exist to build buildings and to placate your kids. We're here so people can experience the power of God. So I'd like you to bow your heads with me. I want to ask you a question. Are you in this space today and you have never given your heart to Christ? You do not know the power of God. You have never said, Jesus, be my Lord. And if you have not, today is your day. I want to invite you right now. Would you, bow, or would you just lift your hand up right now if you want to pray that prayer? If, hey, come on. God's dealing with some of you, and it isn't me. Come on, I'm not that good. The Holy Spirit is saying, yes, today is your day for salvation. If that's you, just lift your hand. Yes. Are there others? Lift your hand up real high. I want to pray with you. Come on. Anybody else? Yes. Yes, are there others? I'll give you one more second here. Yes. Let's say this prayer together. Everybody prays at Harvest Ridge together. Nobody prays alone. You ready? Dear Jesus, I believe in you. That you died for my sins. You were buried. And you were resurrected from the dead. I confess you as my Lord. I want to know you. I want to live with you. I want you to give me freedom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer, something incredible happened. Yes. Something incredible happened. Come on, let's praise God because lives were redeemed. Something incredible happened. You are now free in Jesus. You are now free in Jesus. To the rest of us, here's what I say. You and I have the opportunity to change our world. Because listen to this one phrase, and this is the final phrase I want you to hear before we move on. You are not responsible for outcomes. You are responsible only to be obedient. Your job as a part of this flood is not to change the world. Your job as a part of this flood is to be obedient to our Lord Jesus Christ. If he tells you to love, you love. If he tells you to go, you go. He tells you to stop, you stop. Whatever. He's your Lord. If he tells you your identity, you submit to his identity, not what this world tells you your identity is. That's the truth. All right. Would you all stand with me? We're going to close by saying a prayer, and I'm going to send you on your way today. You all ready? Let's do this. Jesus, I thank you that we, your people today, can follow you with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and I pray that you would bless us and send us out in your power. I pray, God, that we would be a part of what makes a connection to this world. Amen and amen. Are you going to go get your kids and then you're going to take five minutes and talk to somebody before you leave today because there's no reason to rush out. If you want to stay for just a second and sing the song, I want to encourage you. Dedicate yourself. God, I want to connect with you. Sing the song. God bless you guys. Have a great day.